right, well, welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us on t- out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. Um, of course, you can always find us at netsdaily.com, Almighty Baller Radio for all your basketball podcasting needs. Facebook, we're there as well. And Brian, good Monday morning to you, sir. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, so we are potting at 1248 p.m. 11.20. 17, Brian. R- rise and grind, baby. Rise and grind. Yeah, we're really burning the midnight <laughs> oil. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Warriors game. Mm. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Daniel, D'Angelo Russell injury. Mm-hmm. Sort of get through all that little mess. And then we're going to do a new segment. Uh, debate team. Hashtag debate team. Yeah, we're gonna think of a, a snappy title for it and a, and, a, and a funny drop. But until then, this is this is just just you know working out the kinks. I think it's a good topic though. It's a compelling argument. Yeah, I'm kind of afraid where it may may veer into. Yeah, um, depending on that's what side true. That's <laughs> fair. Be, but but it'll be fun. And yeah. this is something Brian thought up. So I'm I'm so excited to do it, Brian. <laughs> Mike, we were we were. I mean, I hate to start off on this note, but we were so freaking right about this D'Angelo Russell knee thing. I just, you know, here's the thing: like, we have a podcast, we get a whole lot of emails whenever we say something wrong, or a whole lot of tweets, or a whole lot of comments. But you know, when it comes to being right, we have to kind of do it ourselves. And I'm not above it. Here I am. I'm not gonna lie. I'm used to shadiness in the PR realm with my normal <laughs> day job, dealing with regular news. Yeah. I'm used to lies and. We were getting lied to. I'm just going to straight out and say it. We were getting lied to. The You're used to lies in your professional and personal life. Personal life. <laughs> my mother, sweet yeah. woman, lied to me my whole life, told me I was a good singer, that yeah. I was athletic, and that oh, I was wow. good looking. Oh, man. Only one of those it's are true. <laughs> I, wish, I wish we were in Skyping so I could go over there and give you a big old hug, Mike. Oh, bra guy. Um, we were lied to, okay? Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, I think I tweeted this out, and Nets Daily retweeted it. And when Nets Daily retweets what you have tweeted, that means you know that he has the inside info, right? Net income does. Mm-hmm. And that when he retweets something you say, that means it is correct. That's how I take everything. Retweets are endorsements. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and I tweeted that the, the Nets probably knew the moment that injury happened, if not the Monday uh, of that injury – well, I mean, the the contusion um, stopgap report was an obvious false. I mean, once you're once you, you you could say you could say a lot of things, but I know a contusion when I see one, Mike. Well, and now it, it. now the Adrian Wojnarowski thing makes much more sense, right? Mm-hmm. Contusions could put you out for a extended period of time. Several games was the original report. I think Woj was getting the truth, probably from D'Angelo's people. You know, not from the Nets, maybe from the Nets, but. So this is so. Why is this bad? I think that is sort of like the main thing that I want to talk about. It's bad because this is a team that's been trying to build a fan base that has a limited one at that. Uh, you know, you went to that Celtics game. Was it more Boston than Brooklyn? Was it oh, close? Significantly, not uh, close. So and so that so then they do. They have this precious gem of D'Angelo Russell. He's the star of this team, the best young player, the future, blah blah blah. You can't lie to your fan base, Brian. You can't you can't do this crap. I'm sorry, you know, no. I've tweeted this out. When you're the Spurs, when you're the Patriots, when you win all the time, fine. You can do that. You can lie to your fan base because there's a, a, a trust built up by your actions previously that you've won games and you've done it this way and it's worked out. You can't just say to the fan base 
it's one thing. And then he just suddenly gets surgery and he tweets mm-hmm. out a photo from the from his recovery room. And then we're all just supposed to be like, oh, yeah, that's no big deal. He's mm-hmm. the future. And I understand that this injury is not something that will affect him later on. They don't believe that. It seems like it's cleaning it up. It's great. They're doing the right thing. I don't appreciate being lied to. Yeah, I mean, the the if, if you're going to go through the process of like of, of even shooting out that that presser and saying, yeah, it's day to day or whatever. I mean, Kenny Atkinson said it was day to day. I don't know if, how officious the first contusion thing was. Uh, and then it turns out to be six weeks, you know, like for, for an arthroscopic knee surgery, I think six weeks is about standard, um, to, right. to be being in a somewhat functional form. Like that's a big, that's a big difference. That's a big difference for a lot of reasons. Um, and you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really affect anything outside of like our emotional investment, I guess. I don't know. I, Maybe I just, ticket sales. Well, and like, it, it's all, and again, it's like, if I want to engage with this brand, they love talking about the brand, at least some parts of their organization love talking about the brand, and I'm supposed to be in love with it and get the players and enjoy them being in my life, and then they then go and be like, you know what, we're not going to appreciate you, the fan base, enough to trust you that we know what we're doing, so we're just going to not tell you anything, and we're if just going to be to believe- silent. If you want to believe like Mitt Romney that corporations are people, okay, you gotta act a little bit more intimate with like me. more like a get, person. <laughs> yeah, we gotta we gotta get these the lines of communication greased. Um, so I'm I'm perturbed, Brian. I'm straight Anyways, up straight up. But perturbed. you know what? Here's the silver lining though. Your boy Spencer Dinwiddie, dude, friend of the pod, friend of the pod has been bawling his face off. Yeah. Uh, he's not Yogi Ferrell, but he's pretty good. In the games that he's played, uh, somebody on Reddit, shout out to whoever this was, I forget, um, did the averages, 19 points, 3 rebounds, 9 assists, 41% field goal percentage, uh, 37% 3-point. So here's the thing, though. Spencer Dinwiddie's field goal percentage is probably that low because for the first time, he's the primary offensive option. I mean, is that that fair to say at this point on this offense? Absolutely. I mean, it was obvious. In the end of the Golden State Warriors game, it was either Spencer Dinwiddie basically chucking up threes or Alan Crabb chucking up threes. That was the only thing that they could do. Um, What's almost amazing about Spencer Dinwiddie is that I don't don't know why I feel like you have to say, you have to say his full name, right? You can't, you can't just say Spencer. I guess you could say Dinwiddie, but Spencer Dinwiddie, he only has, Mm -hmm. I think two turnovers or three turnovers over the three game span when D'Angelo has been completely out. He is like a maximum efficiency, at least in terms of offensive creation point guard. He's not shooting the ball that well, but that's what you – it's because he's the guy, and he's never yeah. – when has he ever been the guy? Even at Colorado, he wasn't like m- master dude, awesome guy the whole time. Right, right. That's an official – dude. that's what Brad Stevens calls his point <laughs> That's guards. an actual position. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I – yeah, so I think it's – but that being said, like – there's probably out. There's not many people I would prefer chucking up a three on this team than Spencer Dinwiddie at this point. You know, all, all things being equal, uh, I yeah. I mean, uh, it's been a bit of a revelation. And do you think we can? Uh, do you think we can expect it to continue? Mike is the big question. I think I think it totally will. Just because he's doing a little bit more outside of himself in terms of the offensive creation, right? Like there's like. A little bit more that he's trying to do. He's probably shooting an extra three a game that he would not want to be shooting. He's making yeah. more drives that he probably doesn't really want to be going to that dangerous of traffic. But um, turnovers are low. There's no reason to suggest 
like to be honest, he could only play better if he shoots better. Just a, a hits another three and hits another bucket inside the three point line. His shooting percentage becomes forty five percent, and then he's averaging twenty three points a game. Yeah, uh, I don't. Well, th- I don't see why it would get worse. I mean, this is also against. I mean, this was against Boston. This is against uh, Golden State. This is against good teams. You know, two of the best defensive teams in the league. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been interesting. I've I've also found so. Obviously, Isaiah Whitehead got run early in the D'Angelo Russell injury, and then he didn't play against Golden State. Yeah. Uh, and I think my thought going into it was that Lavert was get like a huge bump up in minutes. Lavert's actually down in minutes from what he was earlier in the year. Earlier in the year, yeah. he was at like 30 minutes a game, and it was already trending down before the D'Angelo injury, but he's at like 22 minutes a game, which is surprising that you would think if D'Angelo's going to be out that Lavert's yeah. going to be getting – you know, starter minutes, 30 minutes a game, and he's not doing it. Well, it seems like, it seems like what they've done is basically they're playing Levert at backup PG, which seems to be his more natural fit. Like, I think, I think if, if you're, if you're in the, the, to, to bring back Mitt Romney in the private equity business and you need to consolidate <laughs> this person's skill set into the most efficient things, uh, being a, a ball handler, playmaker is probably the thing that he should be focusing most on because uh, it's like his, it's by far his, the skill he's most proficient at is ball handling and driving. Now, doing like the good things that derive from that initial skill is where he's kind of like stuck. He's like, I can do this thing. How do I reap the benefits of that thing? Um, and I think as like maybe like getting some some reps in at, at backup point guard is like going to teach him what how how to capitalize on that. And he may be one of these kind of guys that is actually better when more not pressure, but more um, he has more influence over what's going on in the offense. Because yeah. before he was the secondary guy and he would get the ball and he was getting it kind of mid shot clock and not exactly sure what to do. And then he would shoot up a terrible wide open three sometimes. It was disgusting. Yes. But now there's like he's played pretty well recently. I think his shooting percentages were up. I mean, this past game, he was two for four from three. I think five from 11 over the field or maybe less. I don't know. Somewhere around that. Um it would be it'd be really nice if like the silver lining out of this D'Angelo injury mess is that oh look Levert can handle some kind of backup point guard duties like if he can yeah. control the ball a little bit over a certain period of time. Um, I think if, I think it's a natural fit. I think he should be doing it. You know, I'm pumped about. Uh, I don't know. Alan Crabb's been like, so this is the Alan Crabb I've been wanting. Now post mm. D'Angelo, he's shot the ball at least ten times a game. 10 field goal attempts a game ever since D'Angelo's gotten out. His three-point percentage, now this is a small sample size alert, all right? So let's, like, be careful. Just over 50% from three since D'Angelo's mm-hmm. been out. He was crucial in that Warriors game. I mean, again, it was Spencer Dinwiddie doing something or Alan Crabb trying to get an open shot was the entire yeah. offense. I just want to see him get, like, hot more often. I just I want, to, I want those the three-in-a-row threes, you know, to, to pop up more than it does. It's weird because I think he shot like six from 11 from three in the Warriors game. And he hit, I don't know, let's say three of them, two or three at the in the fourth quarter when they're trying to come back and win. Um, so he got a little bit of that hot streak. But his game is like, like when yeah. Clay Thompson or Steph Curry get hot, you can like feel it, right? Yes. Like there's a distinct sense on the court that like, oh my God. They shoot the ball doing- super hard and it goes in super hard. <laughs> And Crab has a super hard, like pretty beautiful yeah. shot, but like for some reason he doesn't. It doesn't feel all consuming because he doesn't like actually like Clay Thompson. He never dribbles. He just gets the ball and puts yeah. it right in. Just doesn't feel right. like commanding 
that you'd want Alan Crabb to be. I feel like we got the closest to to that sort of sentiment uh, in the Golden State game. Like there was like towards the end there when things were getting kind of close, yes. but not really. There was there was a moment there. I was like, is Crabb gonna gonna crab out right now? Um, I, I think we need a new um, a new segment where uh, shining moments after loss because mm-hmm. like there's yeah. a couple of those. Alan Crabb kind of coming through and being like, yeah, dude, I'm just gonna shoot threes and make them. Um, yeah. was awesome. Dinwiddie, like, what's been amazing about him too, Spencer, is that, um, like, none of the moments seem too big. He's pretty much the same level player we talked. You know, he's a little bit more. He takes more risk in terms of shot selection, but it's all pretty much like he stays level on exactly what he's doing, which is better than like a. Dion Waiters, who you never really there's no consistency there. It's just like off and on, off and on. Yeah. Um Jared Allen, bro. Oh, we should probably well, we get we have an email from yeah. uh our Fire boy G N Y R. One second, let me pull it up here. All right, here it goes. This is your boy G N Y R. It is evident after last night's game that Jared Allen needs more minutes on this team. If you're gonna be playing Booker at the five, Mozgov seems now on the glue to the bench. Zeller has had his moments, but is he really the answer at the five? No. So, Jaron Allen needs as much playing time as possible. The kid has a knack for the ball, both on the offense and defensive side of the ball. So, Atkinson, give this kid as many minutes as possible so that he can develop into a Capella type of a player. All right, so Jared Allen, Jared Allen rotation, GNYR, <coughs> thank you so much. That's about a Gmail. If you want to get involved on the show, you can do it whenever you want. We'll take most of your voicemails. If you're the bad ones, we haven't had a bad one yet, which I think is a credit to mm. our listeners. Um, what do you think? GNYR is saying essentially Mozgov shouldn't play basketball anymore for this team, and it should be yeah. all on Jared Allen. Uh, do you agree? <laughs> I mean, uh, in theory, yes. Uh, I I was very excited to see Mozgov getting the DNP. Um, no, and just, no. And just recently, not not really being featured that much. It's been pretty. Um, yeah, it's been it's been not uh, not a great start to his campaign with with the Nets here. Um, that being said, this goes into an age old conversation that we've had here in terms of you know this goes with with player development as well as team development. Is exposure to Floor time, just ob- objectively the best thing you can do for a player's development. Um, I don't know. I don't think so, personally. Like, um, you, you, the things with, when you're playing a lot of young people like this, and, and uh, like Jared Allen is, obviously he has, like, really great moments, but he also has bad moments, and you have to sort of punish those bad habits, and you have to, you know, you, you can't just expect this player to go out there and do 30 minutes a game. He's 19 years old. It's just not, you have to, he, he, he the reason that he looks good in these dynamic moments is because coach is picking his spots for him. Yes. You know, you can't just send him out there against Nikola Jokic for 40 minutes and expect good things to happen. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, and I want I want him to feast on the backups, you know. Yeah. Not yeah, even exactly. he's not even feasting. He's like lightly picking around the edges of the nacho cheese dip, you know. He's yeah. just barely dipping in and getting his feet wet. Um and his his like and I agree like I, I I like it when he's in more than when he's not. That being said, like you still need to pick his spots. But there was a moment when he was in on the Golden State game where um, 
I think it was uh, there's someone who dumped down a pass in on like Andrea Gudala, who normally just like goes in on people, draws contact, is like kind of just a missile of a player, and he backed it out against Jared Allen because just yeah. I think his his reputation preceded him to an extent. That was a big moment. Um, another big moment was when Jared Allen was actually just alone under the hoop and he was able to dunk it cleanly and not it wasn't a bumbling right. mess. Right. Um, not that he would have, but that big men who stink, they bumble that. They still screw yeah. that up. And then, right. of course, the, the sky hook, the beautiful little baby hook coming over the lane. Gorgeous, fantastic, like a yeah. crane out there. I loved yeah. it. Um, but, like, so we have three totally different looks at center right now. Like, assuming Mozgov is going to rack up DNPs, which he probably won't. He can't because yeah. they, they just – okay, he is a salary dump. I think, <clears throat> I think it's clear now that – Damari Carroll was a guy who was interesting to them and also a salary dump. Mozgov mm-hmm. was the pure sense of salary dump. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't just sit a guy who has that contract. I know it's not favorable, but you can't just sit. And I think there's a little value there. There's still like a little shred of value in Mozgov because he is a big oaf out there and can <laughs> kind of make some plays defensively. That's interesting. Okay. And Jared Allen, like I do, I do want people to watch. I love Jared Allen. Love him to death. Did you see the charity thing? That he's doing, yeah, like, I did. Like a sweetheart. Nice. If you don't know, uh, Chris Haynes tweeted this out. Jared Allen's doing a like a Thanksgiving give food giveaway today. What he's doing is giving what is it like elementary school kids a seventy dollar budget for their Thanksgiving <laughs> Day meal, and then he's going to sit down with them with a calculator, pen, and paper, and he's going to show them how to budget out correctly, uh, mm. how to pay for a Thanksgiving meal. That you can't just buy seven dollars worth of ice cream. You got to buy the ten dollar bird. Mashed potatoes, blah, blah, blah. So sweet. Mm. I love him. What a sweet mm. child Jared Allen yeah. is. But just watch him on the floor because he doesn't know what he's doing on offense. He's af- like not afraid. I don't want to say he's afraid, but he is cautious to the maximum degree. Um, on pick yeah. and ro- He doesn't roll on pick and rolls. What he does is he picks, resets picks, and then when he rolls, he kind of rolls towards an opposing player so he doesn't get the ball. I'm on. Yeah. I mean, it's not comfortable for him. You can't leave that type of player on the floor for more than, you know, four minutes at a time. He's Just also his can't. like acceleration is pretty slow. Like he's he's quick when he gets up to full speed, but those first few steps, it's like a it's like a you know it's like an airplane taking off. You know, it takes <laughs> it <really> creeps <laughs> creeps along for the first few steps. Well, and I think that's part. I don't because he's not trusting himself yet. You know, he's right. not like fully committing to yes. getting into the lane. Once he gets more comfortable, I mean, GNYR reference Clint Capella. It took a long time for Clint Capella to become what he is. It's yeah. like we think it's easy, at least the impression is it's easy to set a pick and roll to the bucket and dunk. But like if there's a right. couple more moving elements to that, and especially if you're 19 years old and yeah. what he he's he got hurt this year already, so he is like he hasn't played a full set of games and this team has at times not even played a center on the floor for long stretches. Um I like him. I like him at, you know, four minutes this quarter, four minutes the next quarter, dabbing him in, letting him yeah. kind of get a, his feet wet a little bit, but then, you know, relaxing It is, it is doing like like the pick and roll like you're talking about is, is largely an intuition type of thing. Like, because if you have Dream on Green icing your pick and rolls, like, how do you how do you navigate that? It's it's just basically experience, you know, uh, if especially if you don't have like if you're not going to be the recipient of that 18 feet out. Well, and, um, and, you know, I like Spencer's passing skills, of course, but if he had D'Angelo with him, D'Angelo is a more unique passer and more likely to get, 
you know, Jared Allen, those lob dunks that he would want or something like wide open or the bucket. Still, Jared Allen doesn't, I mean, not not completely, but he does not roll to the bucket. It just doesn't, that's not his game yeah. yet. He's not, he's not there, but right. I love him. Love him to death. But so to, here's, okay, so I can, I can, deviling back my <clears throat> previous thought, um, we like three different looks at center. Uh, and I'll just pair Mozgov and, and Zeller together as one. Just How dare like you? Kind of, they kind of represent the same archetype there. Uh, what useless I think, I think I, I prefer the Zeller version of I it. I do. I totally prefer it. If we did a um, center power ranking, Zeller's number one. And then, and then, so like that's the like kind of classical. Uh, like, it, you know, if we're going to make like, um, you know, how I'm like when you play Call of Duty or something, you have guns and they have like that, uh, that chart that shoot like so. If, yes. So that, that's like the balanced, like everything's sort of below average, like gun, right? That's like a, it's not a specialist in anything. Um, it's it's the gun you use if you're not good at Call of Duty right. and like you you're not really your, good at anything. You haven't, your, you haven't bought your DLC yet, so you have this crappy <laughs> like default gun. Uh, and then like J- Jared Allen is a... Uh, is like you're more defensive minded, uh, like, like it's it's just like a totally unique look. And similarly, Trevor Booker is a totally unique look, like fast, undersized, strong, uh, like a bully, but like and mostly like plays just like um, with with a ton of energy. But n- none of them are a solution. Um, and that's kind of like how I think this system is meant to play out. Like any center, like we we're not going to be in the market for a very good mm-hmm. offensive center, like probably ever again. It just does not. It's not necessary for what we're trying to do. I would be very surprised if, like, outside of like getting a, like a proper stretch five, like you know, unicorn center, like that, that we ever ever aim to do that because it's just not. We we want that fifth player to be defensive minded, like rim protector. I think like just part of the system. And that's all. And like Allen has all of that, right? Like, like I think right. I remember Kenny Atkinson talked about it when they drafted him that he's like the hot girl in school, like the perfect ten in terms mm. of that department. You can totally see Jared that a, Allen. That was a weird comment too. I remember <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. And yeah. uh, the only time Jared Allen's ever been described as the hot girl. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> that Jared Allen will be a guy. It's going to happen. I'm like so 100 percent sure of it. Even if he's never a 14 point scorer in the NBA, he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to guard pick and rolls, switching on pick and rolls, and guarding the rim. And that's yeah. an amazingly I'll never worry awesome about skill. his like his. I'll never worry about his point total ever in his career. Like if he's getting Don't care. yeah. If he's getting like over ten rebounds and like close to three blocks, that'll be you have, will have succeeded in everything that you need to be to make it in this in this league. If he's Clint Capella is perfect, thank you, GNYR. Because if he's yeah. that, that's a win. Um, I think he could be better defensively than Clint Capella. I mean, that's not like that much of a stretch because there's more of a pedigree. Jared Allen was you know a high school All American or whatever, and uh, really thought highly, and he just fell in the draft because of you know kind of positional need in front of the teams in front of the Nets, but. Um, if just right now though, I still, I still want Moskov to get some minutes because I think there's some value there and I don't hate him on the floor yet. Um, I like Zeller cause I think Zeller offers a little bit more of like stability. He can put the ball in the bucket a little bit. He's not going to be great defensively, but he's going to be better than Trevor Booker and then give Jared Allen 16 minutes a game, slot him in. Let him play against backups, you know, against a certain team that, you know, that also plays a center for their backup. Um, let yeah. him get comfortable. And I would try to implore whoever's running point at that point uh, to let's get Jared the ball twice in that in, in that series somewhere. Let's get him the ball 
down low where he can just put it right in. Do you, do you think the Clint Capella uh, archetype is like Samuel D'Alembert? Like that's like sort of the... Well, D'Alembert, like, like so what we thought D'Alembert, at the time when we thought D'Alembert, like he was athletic at that time. But I don't think yeah. if you put him in today's NBA, he would be an athletic right. center. No, but I, I mean, do you think of Jared Allen as like an athletic center? I'm not sure that sure. I do. Oh, totally. You do? Totally. You think he's like proper athletic? Not like 19-year-old, like, like I bet Samuel D'Alembert looked very similar. I think he's like, he's not DeAndre Jordan class, of course, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. he's way better than like, if you just like kind of tick through the centers in the NBA, like even Zaza Pachulia, he's way better than Zaza Pachulia. He's better than Marcin Gortat. Well, that's I, not, I mean, those guys are totally different. That's That falls more in my Zeller, Mozgov. Right, and I think, so to me, that's the baseline. If yeah. you're, is, if you're, I think he's three ticks above that. I think he's not a supremely athletic center. <laughs> How many ticks are there to, to get? To there get? are seven ticks above. Okay. <laughs> if we're going to go on the scale, there are yeah. seven ticks above uh, Marcin Gortat. Uh-huh. And Jared Allen's three ticks above. Seven so like, ticks H- above Hakeem is DeAndre Jordan. Is, is seven ticks above Marcin He is Gortat. 12 ticks above. Oh, there's more ticks? He's off, he's off the chart. He's, he's, he's pre- uh, Farting and stinkiness Dwight Howard was also up there. But now he's down near Jared Allen's territory. Probably even lower than Jared Allen at this point. What, you don't like you don't think his athleticism is there in terms of that level? I think I think it's there. I don't know that it's like um he, he's not he's not as fast as Clint Capella. He's not he's not like uh and he doesn't necessarily need to be. He's, he's not his footwork isn't there, bottom line. Like uh he just can't move his legs as fast as he would need to. He can jump like he's he's got a good like sort of pogo stick jump, um, which is like you know a, a very useful form of athleticism. But in terms of like being a a gazelle of a six eleven dude and like running the floor and dunking on people, like I don't that'll probably never happen. Yeah, I'm I'm a little more optimistic. I think part of what's holding him back right now is just the mentality. It's more the mental thing. It's not his feet. Well, it's his feet connected to you know to his brain to his yeah. brain. To your elbow bone, to your knee bone, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Um, if it were only as easy as brain, tell my feet to move faster. That would. I will say, I know, you, I know, you hate like the talking about the next draft class because you because we always talk about how every year this is the best draft class ever. There yeah. are like two dudes in this draft class in the top five who are over seven feet, crazy wingspan, and both super athletic and terrifying. But what are their names? Uh, DeAndre Ayton, I think, is the guy from Arizona, and Muhammad Bamba or something like that. I forget where he's probably at Kentucky. I don't know where he is. But they're both like – and then they're now in every draft profile, it's like any could extend out the three-point range. All Every guy, no matter how big or small you are, every guy is like, oh, and he looks fluid shooting threes in practice. You know, like let's see it in the game. But both of them are frightening in terms of length. Oh, no, I think – Bamba's at uh, Texas, actually. I think he's at Jer- – that's why Jared Allen left because he couldn't take the Bamba heat. But I'm probably missaying his name. Um, real quick, I want to get into a couple more things in the Golden State game because it was – you know, they were – Nets were down by 28 points, got it within four. You know, Curry fouled out, which was great. Thank God. Draymond Green, though, I don't know how you were feeling about him. He is a, a J-E-R-K, Brian. He's a big old jerk. Yeah. Yeah. He was being a grumpy little bear. You're the first person ever to say that. Oh, you think? <laughs> I, I'm the first person to say that he's a volatile person. Huh. Okay. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I hated him. I've never hated him more. Um, yeah. Why? What? What uh, jumped off the page this go around? He was talking crap the whole time at the end of the game. He was trying to get into some of Alan Crabb. We all know Alan Crabb's just a sweetheart of a man. No one would dare get in a fight with Alan Crabb. And then he was talking crap. You could hear him on the broadcast, him yelling during free throws and stuff about all this all this BS and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, dude, you guys are the Warriors. And I understand that you're trying to bring – what Draymond Green is trying to do is bring intensity and keep his team still hungry even though they've won two championships. But, like, this is the Nets, yeah. and you are talking crap to all well, of their was, players all the time? Come on, Nick, man. Nick Young was getting in on it, too, who, like, of, of all the people who needs to not be talking talking that S, yeah, Nick Young ranks pretty high. Um, but, yeah, he was getting into it. I think it might have been with Alan Crabb as well. Maybe Crabb was getting feisty, and we weren't seeing it. Maybe, maybe we had our, our crab-colored glasses on. Do you think he was being crabby? <laughs> Like, you never fail. Um, all right. Well, any other thoughts before we go to break and then go to our new segment? Yeah, hit it to break. So this is this is a new segment. We're going to give it a go. Um, this was inspired because I saw I was on Facebook and I saw um, a family member uh, having an argument um, about whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. <laughs> and and, it, and it, it was a funny um, concept to me. So I, I wanted to do just like a arbitrary kind of debate thing um, where – Mike and I are forced to take opposite sides of an argument willy-nilly, you know, not out of any actual belief. Um, and and then just try to argue our points and see who can win, you know. And then maybe maybe we even uh, t- tweet at us if, if you think one <laughs> yeah, of us. Please. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if I could take that uh, if I lose all these arguments. Which Hang I on, I gotta, I gotta find a coin to flip here. Hang on. No, no, no. So Brian, I found this. Um, Google, if you Google flip a coin, they have a flip a coin. Like, no kidding. Like graphic that you can just flip a coin. Okay, so here's let me start first. So the um, the argument of today's I don't know how to phrase this really. I guess it's like who's right, Trump or Lavar Ball? Is that? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> who's right. Which team you on? Yeah, who has the so, moral high ground? Like, oh, that's not right either. No, we have to think of an actual like way to win this argument. That's the thing. Who's right? I think this is a who's right. Who's right? Oh, oh Lord. Okay. Um, so, Mike, call it in the air. Ready? Flipping. Heads. It's heads. Which which? Wait, uh, wait. Which no, side? we should oh, do no, wait, heads means I... something, tails means something. Heads means okay. Donald Trump. I believe right. President Trump, excuse me. Okay, we'll flip it again. Uh, heads means Trump for you, okay? Okay. T- tails means ball. Flipping. We're flipping it. Here we go. Tails. Darn it. So I get ball? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Darn it. Uh, okay, so the parameters of this fight, I hope everyone knows, um, recently reported LeVar Ball uh, and, and Donald Trump have got into a Twitter war, um, or, or a, a he said, she said, I should say, um, with regards to LiAngelo's um, thing with, with stealing sunglasses from China. Um, <laughs> here's, here's the argument from the Trump side, you know. Like, I told you it was going to happen, and <laughs> I, I said before, I'll see what I can do with uh, with the Chinese president, and uh, and what? And now you have your kid back. You know, China, to quote Donald Trump, they don't mess around, okay? They don't play around. And uh, and you want that person to do, like, 18 years in a, in a in hard labor? 
then uh, you call on Trump and he makes it happen. So that what's your argument? <laughs> My argument is you can't prove that, that Donald Trump did not uh, intervene and successfully get get these young men, these young these young troubled individuals. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> wow, you can be on Fox <laughs> News. You're so good at this. Um, Lavar Ball. Okay. Uh, I think everyone knows that these type of things, these international incidents aren't uh they don't go all the way up to the top even though president trump may have said something to xi jinping uh the chinese president uh this is a state department thing this is an institutional governments talking to each other not elected leaders i don't know if they i don't i guess i don't know if they elect leaders in china but um i apologize so this is a state department thing this is a a mid-level mid-management thing done and i think lavar ball is being honest here. He is. He can lie, and I'm not defending all of Labar things, but he is being honest here in this fact that President Trump really, probably, unfortunately, didn't actually do all that much. Brian, all he did was tweet something, maybe said something, and then the underlings, the people that do the work, got it done and got. Leangelo Home and the other two players who no one even knows their names anymore, which is also a shame, Brian. That's a shame. That's a real shame. Mike, to quote Joseph Tsai, you may want to travel to China to see a little bit more about what, oh. what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Tell people – some people may not know what that means. Uh, Can you – are you allowed to illustrate? Oh, basically, that's in reference to um, a like 2015 um, – I guess like business conference thing where some MSNBC guys uh, and John Kramer cornered Joseph Tsai to hold him down about some kind of like Alibaba was selling counterfeit. Yeah, some fraudulent whatever. Um, and his like his response to it was basically like, mm, you should go see China. You should go visit China. Like, don't just talk about it. Like, go actually see it for yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, which is the best uh, argument. Uh, and it works again in this case because had had you visited China, you would know that the way that these you know. The way that these internal systems work, it's a lot of currying favor, a lot of lot of behind the scenes handshake deals. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. So, so you really gotta be there to to understand it. And Trump, more so than Trump anyone, gets it than any, yeah. is a kind is a behind the scenes handshaker tour de force. So um this falls directly into his wheelhouse. Uh and therefore I'm I'm totally uh convinced that he was directly responsible for for this thing happening so um, do you believe that uh without president trump that these three young men would still be in of china course not. of course no they would be they would, <laughs> yeah it'd be jimmy carter all over again like yeah that's exactly what we need all right you won the argument that's contentious and i didn't uh or not contentious but that we we did traipse into dangerous territory there yeah uh, for, for our <laughs> Next time we won't do a political uh, one. It'll be it'll be more like Die Hard, probably. Yeah, we'll do. We'll figure it out. We'll do. Or, we'll or do something. Santinticumpo is going to be the best basketball player in the universe. All right. Well, that's our pod. So we will probably not be potting for the rest of the week because it's Thanksgiving. I can't guarantee I'll be able to do that, Brian. Speak for yourself, Mike. I'll be potting. Okay. Potting without you. <laughs> Tune into the Brag Guys Spectacular on Thanksgiving Day. Right, right at Don't six promise o'clock. it. People want six it, Brian. Six o'clock p.m. People would you, love an hour of just you talking. Lonely, lonely sons of guns eating eating a can of cranberry sauce by yourself. 
Um, you can find us as always at netsdaily.com. You can uh, email us any question you got, netspod at gmail. We love your questions. We love your comments. Keep them coming. Um, yeah. more, more concepts for, for better debate sections. Or, or ones that we could actually possibly care about, you know. Yeah, because neither of us actually care about LeVar Ball and uh, President Trump. Okay, Brian? Hey, uh, iTunes reviews. We we love them. We need them. Um, they actually do. It is the cheapest way to help the show. Um, so, you know, if you actually like us, hook us up. If you don't like us, please don't bother. Don't, don't The one-star review, no thank you. But a five-star, Mike, we please. may want. Uh, thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Bye-bye.